Well, friends, let's begin this morning by talking about the book of Acts. You know, at the very beginning of Acts, in chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus tells his disciples that they are to be witnesses for him in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. So right at the beginning of Acts, we anticipate this expansion of the gospel all through Israel and all over the world. And as we read the book of Acts, we see the gospel expanding. But if you'll notice something with me about the expansion of the gospel, it always takes place under great persecution. Let's talk about some examples of that. You know, in Acts chapter 5, the Bible teaches us that the apostles were persecuted. They were beaten and arrested for sharing the gospel. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen was stoned after that beautiful, redemptive, historical sermon that he shared. He was stoned for it. Even in Acts chapter 11, Peter was persecuted by the Jews for going out and sharing the gospel with the Gentiles. You see, over and over, time after time, persecution comes to those who courageously and boldly share their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, friends, the same type of boldness and the same type of persecution, you know what it's evident in our text today? You see, as the Apostle Paul boldly preached on the three missionary journeys towards the middle and the end of Acts, he continued to encounter this persecution that comes with the expansion of the gospel. Again, as the gospel expands, persecution always comes. So friends, that brings us directly to the text that we're in today in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Because when Paul starts this chapter, he reaches back and, and he recalls his past. He recalls that second missionary journey that led him and Silas and, and, and Timothy to the city of Thessalonica. And as he mentions this second missionary journey, he talks about how they went through great persecution, specifically in the city of Philippi. But friends, I want you to know that in the midst of great persecution, the Apostle Paul, he stood courageously and he stood boldly. And he was faithful in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, no matter what might have happened. So friends, as we examine these first six verses of the second chapter of 1 Thessalonians today, I want you to see these three specific things that Paul talks about in this text. First of all, I want you to see Paul's boldness in conflict. Secondly, I want you to see his appeals and his reasons for ministry. And then third and finally, I want you to see Paul's great desire, and that is to be pleasing to God and not to man. But let's zoom in on this first point now, Paul's boldness 
in conflict. Let's go back and read verse 2 one more time. The Bible says, But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. You know, let's remember something about the Apostle Paul. Before he was ever the Apostle Paul, who was he? He was Saul of Tarsus, the Pharisee who went out and persecuted the church. In fact, in the book of Acts, chapter 8, verse 3, it describes Saul this way. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Friends, we see that before he was ever Paul, Saul was the one persecuting the church. But what happened? In Acts chapter 9, while Saul was on his way to persecute even more Christians, the Lord Jesus Christ appeared to him. And on that day, Jesus changed his life. Saul was converted. And he went from being Saul the persecutor to Paul the proclaimer of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God changed his heart. And right here in today's texts, this new missionary, the Apostle Paul, he mentions part of the missionary journeys that he started to go on with Silas and, and Timothy. As, as his heart was changed by God, this persecutor of the church started going on these missionary journeys. And right here in this text, he talks about that journey that he had, the second journey starting in Philippi. Just a moment ago, we read the background of this, te- of, uh, of this, of this journey from Acts chapter 16. Let's review that. You see, Paul says that on that second missionary journey, he and Silas went to the region of Philippi. And while they were there, they, they met this slave girl, and the, the people of the town were using her to make money. And Paul saw that she obviously wasn't well, and through the power of Christ, through the ministry of Paul and Silas, this young lady was made whole. Praise God. But the people of the town didn't like it, because their way of making money was gone. So they grabbed Paul and Silas, and they threw them in front of the in front of the authorities. They started accusing them of this and that. They beat them. They arrested them. They put them in prison. And they even fastened their feet in the stocks in the prison. Persecution was coming. And even after they left Philippi, the Bible says, Acts 17, they went to Thessalonica. And they were only there a very short period of time, probably less than a month. Because it says that Paul only was able to speak in the, uh, um, in the synagogue on three Sabbath days. And what happened? A mob gathered. They set the city in an uproar. And they chased Paul. They chased Silas out of town. Get out of here. Persecution remained. But friends, what our text today is saying in 1 Thessalonians 2. That in the midst of of great persecution. Paul and Silas, they did not back down in their message one bit. They did not water 
down the gospel at all and make it easier to, to believe and receive. No. Rather, they spoke and they acted with courage. In fact, as this text says, they had boldness in their God. Even though they were experiencing great persecution. You know, as we think about the boldness that uh, Paul and, and Silas had in the midst of Philippi and Thessalonica, we're reminded of many Old Testament stories where those who had gone before them had great boldness. You know, we're reminded of the boldness of Moses and Aaron, how they had to stand before powerful Pharaoh, and they courageously said, God says, let my people go. We're reminded of the boldness of Daniel. You know, the easy thing for Daniel to do was just stop praying. But he didn't do that. He stood courageously and boldly prayed, even with the threat of the lion's den. We think of the boys Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Again, the easy thing to do was just worship the idol. But they were courageous. They were bold, even with the threat of the fiery furnace. And my goodness, how could we leave out David? We think of his boldness, his courage to stand before that giant. You know, he could have backed off. He could have said, Saul, you go fight him. You're the king. You go fight him. But he stood boldly. He stood courageously. Friends, I want you to know that the Apostle Paul, he had the same type of boldness. But let us notice something about his boldness. It, it didn't come from himself. It came from God. Look at the text. Verse 2 says that he was bold in our God. Friends, this simply means that, that Paul knew he was, he was united to Jesus Christ, who's far greater than he, than he ever was. And that Jesus would help him whenever he needed that help to be bold. He knew that God would aid him to be courageous in times of need. In fact, he said it best this way in the book of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Paul says, be strong. How? In the Lord. Not in yourself. In the Lord. And in the strength of his might. Indeed, Paul was bold in his God. Now, friends, this reminds me of a story. This whole talk about boldness reminds me of a story. So back in the early 90s, when I was a young teenager, I got a new youth pastor at my church, and his name was Mike. And it didn't take long until Mike had a huge impact on my life. You see, I'd never met anybody like Mike before. This guy was bold and courageous uh, to share the gospel with other people. And he really challenged me in my, in my young spiritual life to be bold and courageous. And as we talked about last week, to, to not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ, that's what he, he taught me. Now, this was, again, in, in the early 90s. Now, if you remember, back in the early 90s, uh, that was when Michael Jordan was, was at his height, right? You remember the early uh, days of the Bulls winning these championships, Michael Jordan was at his height. And there was a commercial that came on TV that said, be like Mike. I want to be like Mike. And of course, 
everybody wanted to be like Mike and, and have those kinds of basketball skills, but this was Gatorade. This was Gatorade's attempt to say, be like Mike. Mike drinks Gatorade. You drink Gatorade. Be like Mike. Well, I remember back in that time, my youth pastor, who was also named Mike, had such a huge impact on me for the gospel. He was so bold, so courageous, that I decided in the early 90s, yes, I want to be like Mike. But I wasn't talking about Michael Jordan. I was talking about Mike, my youth pastor. Because my youth pastor's boldness and his courage to share the gospel, I'm telling you what, it really inspired me. It led me to be more vocal and more bold and more assured in my faith to share that with others. Friends, I mentioned this to you because now we're talking about the area of influence. Because the Bible says that boldness can have influence on other people for the gospel. You see, just as my youth pastor's boldness had an influence on me to be bold, in the Bible, Paul says in the book of Philippians that his boldness actually had a huge impact on the Philippians. I want you to see it in the Bible. This is Philippians 1, 12 through 14. Listen to this. Now, Paul's in prison when he writes this. Listen to this. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And here it is. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. You know what? You Probably the Romans thought, hey, if we arrest the Apostle Paul, if we put him in prison, this whole Christianity thing's going to go away. Well, guess what? The opposite happened. The opposite happened. They arrested Paul, and the Philippians were encouraged to be more confident in their standing for God. In fact, this text says they were much more bold to speak the word without fear. Friends, do you see the impact that Paul's boldness had on the Philippians? They became bold because he was bold. And friends, today, I want to challenge you. Be bold for the Lord Jesus Christ. Be courageous for the things of God. Listen, that's not the easy thing to do. The easy thing would just to be back away from Christianity, uh, stay in the background. But you know what? If Paul chose to do that, if, if Daniel chose to do that, if Moses chose to do that, if the Hebrew boys chose to do that, it would have been of no use. So my challenge today for all of us, don't be a wimp for Christ. Be courageous. Be bold for Christ. So I'll start maybe with some of my staff here at Redeemer. Hey, Hunter, I challenge you as the youth director here at Redeemer, be bold with the youth. You have no idea how your impact, your leadership, your boldness could have an impact on our young people here at Redeemer. Hey, Daryl, be bold as a pastor here at Redeemer. In all that you do, continue to be courageous. Hey, Melissa and Michelle, 
be bold and courageous as you share the gospel with their children. You're making a huge impact for the gospel. To our elders and our deacons, as you minister to your shepherding groups, be courageous for Jesus. Lead them to Jesus. Point them to Jesus. In that way, you will be encouraging even uh, their lives to be bold for Jesus as well. Moms and dads, with your kids, stand up for the Lord. Teach them the things of God. Be bold and courageous by leading your children to Christ. Teenagers and children, uh, I know school is ending and you haven't been with friends uh, in school, but hey, wherever you are, whether you're on a, on a FaceTime call, on a, on a Zoom meeting, Hey, be a light for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I encourage you, be bold and courageous in your faith. And to whoever is listening to the sound of my voice right now, and you know the Lord, maybe you're a grandparent, maybe you're a, a single person, wherever you are, be bold, be courageous for the Lord at school, at work, whatever you do, don't wimp out for God. We've got enough wimps in this world for Christ. We don't need any more. Be bold, be courageous for God. Well, this is my second point now. Let's move on. We've seen boldness and conflict. Now let's see number two, which is the appeal and the reasons for ministry. What is Paul's appeal and his reasons for ministry? Let's look back at the text. Let's read verse three and then verses five and six once again. The Bible says, for our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. And then 5 and 6. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed, God is witness, nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. Okay, so let me tell you what's going on. Paul had all sorts of enemies. He had all kinds of opponents. And at Thessalonica, he was having people come out of the woodwork left and right, making charges and threats against the Apostle Paul. And according to the text that we're looking at today, they were attacking uh, two main things about Paul. They were attacking his appeal or his message to the people. And they were also attacking his reasons for ministry or his motives for doing what he was doing. And if you look in depth at verses 3, 5, and 6, you find at least six rocks that are in the hands of these opponents that they're, that they're throwing at Paul. They're th they're, they, they threw the rock of, of error. They're saying, Paul, you're an error in your teaching. Paul, you're impure. Paul, you are deceiving us. And then in verses 5 and 6, they, say, they said, Paul, you're, you're trying to flatter us with your words. Paul, you're coming with greed. You're trying to get glory for yourself. And they're attacking his message and his motives through these six rocks that they're throwing at Paul. So what Paul does here is he takes all six of those things and he addresses them. So let's look at each one of them now. You know, the first rock they threw at Paul, again, it's found in verse 3. They say, Paul, you're coming to us in error. Here's what that means. They're saying, Paul, we as Jews, we hear your message. And when we hear it, we basically think you're a heretic. Because what you're saying doesn't line up with what we think the, the Old Testament says. Well, coming back at that, Paul says, look, 
I want you to know that I'm committed to studying the scriptures. Again, let's remember, Paul was a Pharisee, not just any Pharisee. He studied under Gamaliel. He was a scholar. He probably knew the Old Testament better than any one of them. And what Paul would do is he would take the Old Testament and he would show it to these Jews. And he would say, let me show you how Jesus Christ fulfills every single one of these Old Testament prophecies and promises. Let me, let me show you that the gospel is not in error, but it fulfills what God said about Jesus even way back in the Old Testament. Well, then they picked up another rock and said, we want to throw impurity at you, Paul. You are impure in your motives. In fact, you're coming with greed. You're coming wanting glory for yourself. We're going to keep attacking you because your motives are impure. Paul, you're trying to get something that you don't deserve. You're trying to take money off of us. You are trying to get honor that, you know what? You just don't deserve that honor, Paul. And Paul takes these rocks of impurity, greed, and glory, and jump down in verse 5. He says specifically in verse 5 of this text, you know what? I didn't come for greed. I'm not hanging around to, to get money that I don't deserve. In fact, Paul says, even though I could have rightly been uh, paid and received funds from the church, which was, which was right for a pastor to do. You know, people like me and Daryl were grateful that the church pays pastors, and Paul could have received that uh, and not thought a word about it. Paul went above board here, and he says, you know what, I'm going to take the high road. And in verse 9, you see it in the text, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9. We'll put it up on the screen. Paul says, For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We work night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. And what Paul was saying is that he was a tent maker. You see, in, instead of taking money off of the church, he knew that that might be a stumbling block. So he and Silas made tents. If they preached during the day, they made tents at night. If they preached during the night, they made tents during the day. He did everything he could to be above board and to say to them, hey, you can see by evidence of what I've done, I'm not coming to you for greed, and I'm certainly not coming to you for glory. You know, if you look back at the path that we've taken as missionaries, it wasn't very glorious in Philippi when we were beaten and arrested. It wasn't very glorious when our feet were put in the stocks. It wasn't very glorious when we were run out of town in Thessalonica. Friends, we're not coming for greed or glory. But then they said, okay, we got a few more rocks to throw here, Paul. You're coming with deception. You're coming with the flattery of words. You know, back in this day, um, you could hire a rhetorician and you could pay him to talk eloquently about absolutely nothing. <laughs> or about any, talk, about any topic that you wanted him to talk about. If you had a topic that you wanted someone to argue, pay this guy and he'll speak eloquently about that topic. It sort of reminds us of what some lawyers do today. And they said, Paul, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to gain this large following with, with flattering speech just so people will follow you. And then Paul says, no. Verse 4, he says, I have been approved by God. I have been entrusted with the gospel. I'm, in, in fact, as, as I come to you, as I come to you today, I know nothing but Christ and Him 
crucified. Friends, the simple fact is that not only in Paul's day, but also in our day, there are many pulpits in America that they are filled with error. They are filled with people who have impure motives like greed and glory. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 5, and we go through this verse in our leadership training for elders and deacons, we we talk about 1 Peter 5 too because it teaches us teaches elders, don't be in ministry for dishonest gain. Some of you know my story. Some of you know that for a long period in my life, I was actually around um, other ministers who were in ministry for the purpose of greed and dishonest gain. I know what that looks like. That's why Peter gives us warning in 1 Peter 5. That's why Paul goes to such great lengths here to say, I'm not doing it for greed or glory. You see, All of these things, error, impurity, deception, flattery, greed, glory, they don't describe Paul. He was not driven by worldly pleasures. In fact, this this text says there's only one thing that drove him. There's only one thing that motivated him. And this one thing is our third point today. Paul's desire was to be pleasing to God and not man. Verse 4 says it this way. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. Friends, it's sad. But many people in this world, including pastors, Some pastors live their lives in such a way that they're far more afraid of man than they are of God. But not Paul. Friends, Paul feared God far more than he feared man. And he knew that pleasing his God was far more important than pleasing Man, just a moment ago, our supplemental text was Galatians 1.10. Let me remind you what it said. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Jesus Christ. So consider those six rocks that were thrown at Paul. And let's ask some questions. Why didn't Paul come with error? It's because Paul wanted to please God so much that he studied the scriptures to proclaim the pure and undefiled gospel of Jesus. Why didn't Paul come with impure motives of greed and glory? Because he wanted to please God so much that he would never put his hand in the money bag as Judas was known to do, even as a disciple. Why didn't Paul come with deception or flattery? Because he wanted to please God so much that he decided not to come with lofty speech, but he decided to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. You know, Paul really understood what James meant when he said in James chapter 4, verse 4, 
you adulterous people? Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You know, when we talk about friendship with the world and friendship with God, I'm reminded of Matthew chapter 6. The Lord Jesus Christ was talking about the Pharisees, and he taught us that the Pharisees were a group of people who wanted to be friends with the world. They wanted the applause of the world. And he taught us about this using three examples, giving, praying, and fasting. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 6. He says, when the Pharisees would give, they would blow trumpets to announce their giving. They wanted everybody else to notice that they were giving. They wanted the praise of men. Jesus says, when they prayed, they would stand on the street corner and they would pray so that everybody in the town could, could hear them and could see them. You see, they wanted the praise of men. When they fasted, Jesus said they would even disfigure their faces so that if you saw that person, you would know they're fasting. They wanted the applause of men. And, and when you study that text, Jesus tells them, hey, listen, you have your reward in full right now already. And what Jesus meant was, you have the praise of men. Yes, people might come up and pat you on the back and say, great job. Good job giving, praying, fasting. You have the applause of men. But what you don't have, Jesus said, is any heavenly reward. Because God has tested your heart. Did you catch that phrase in verse 4 of 1 Thessalonians 2? That God is the one who tests the heart of Paul. God had tested the heart of these Pharisees. And those who have heavenly reward, Jesus said, they're not concerned with the applause of men. They're not concerned with the pat on the back. They're not concerned with friendship with the world. You see, those who have a heavenly reward, as the text says in 1 Thessalonians, are those who speak not to please man, but to please God. I know you're going to have trouble seeing this, but I brought a picture with me. It's this picture here. Um, this is a picture of the very first pastor that I ever had. Um, his name was Willard Tallman. This is Willard and his wife. And um, just, just to share this with you, friends, I grew up in a, in a church in East Tennessee that uh, in 69 years had two pastors. In 69 years had two pastors. Here's one of them. Willard was the pastor of my church for 44 years. And a few weeks ago, I was at my mom's, and we were going through some old pictures, and I decided I'm, I'm going to take that picture uh, and put it in my office at Redeemer. Why? Because I want this picture to serve as a reminder to me to never be tempted to be a man pleaser, but to only seek to please the Lord. Because I want you to know, in 44 years, this man right here, he was dedicated to the Lord. He sought after God with all of his heart, and he was far more concerned with pleasing God than pleasing man. Now, he was persecuted for it. He, he endured some tough times, but he was faithful 
in the midst of those times. So this is kind of like my Ebenezer in my office as an encouragement. Be faithful. Please God. Don't be focused on pleasing man. Well, friends, let's close this morning. And in conclusion, I have just a couple points, hopefully some takeaways that you can have today um, and to think about through the day. You know, first of all, I want to remind you, in the Christian life, we need to expect persecution to come. 2 Timothy 3.12 says it this way, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But when persecution comes, I exhort you in the Lord Jesus Christ, be courageous and have boldness in our God. Ask the Lord for the courage to stand strong for Jesus Christ, because who knows? Who knows what impact your boldness is going to have on people around you? Who knows who might hear the gospel from you and be brought to the Lord Jesus Christ? So I tell you, be like Mike, not Michael Jordan. Be like Mike, my youth pastor. Be bold for the Lord. And then finally, for those who are involved in ministry here at Redeemer, I have some questions for you. You know, let's consider the reasons that we are in ministry today. Are we in ministry for, you know, impure motives like greed or glory? Is it to deceive others with flattering words? Or are we here to be pleasing to God instead of men? You know, there's no doubt about it. I want you to know you will be tempted. You're going to be tempted to be best friends with the world, to hold the world's hand. You're going to be tempted with greed and dishonest gain. You're going to be tempted to have glory for yourself and to water down the gospel. Yet, when the world starts to assault you like it did the Apostle Paul, let us be decisive. Let us be bold like Paul was and say with him, I speak not to please man, but to please God. For it is God who tests our hearts. So let us desire to be pleasing to him. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the examples you have put in Scripture of, of, of boldness. We remember people like Moses and, and David and Daniel. We remember Paul and Silas and Timothy. I even thank you for the, the personal examples of boldness in my own life, with my youth pastor and my pastor and back in Tennessee. And I pray, God, for all of us as a congregation today, that you would enable us in your grace to be bold in our God, to be courageous even in the midst of persecution. And Father, as this world assaults us, as it did the Apostle Paul, as they throw these rocks of, of error and greed and glory, deception and flattery, Father, may we examine our hearts and test them before you and say with the Apostle Paul, hey, we're not here to please man. We're here to please God and help us to walk in that each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.